0: Hey there. Welcome to the REI Dad podcast. Uh, thank you for joining in today. Uh, my Today's guest, um, you know, I reached out to, to Carlos recently. We saw each other at an event and, and, and we were talking about it. And I haven't had anyone on the podcast yet uh, for an interview who does Airbnb. So uh, Carlos and I got talking, we caught up and I thought, you know what, I got to have this guy back and I, I got to have him on the podcast. And so I'm super excited to have him on today. Carlos, Jan Alumis. You got it! got it, man. (laughs) I had to write it down. I butchered it earlier. (laughs) Story of my life. (laughs) How you doing, man? So far, so amazing. It's a beautiful day. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to throw you into a live interview. I know this is not an easy thing, um, but I think you're going to be great because uh, we're talking about something that you really enjoy doing, and that is uh, and that is uh, Airbnb. That's a little difficult. Sorry about that. Um, so why don't we start off uh, you explaining a little bit about yourself, who you are. I mean, what's your home life like? What's your job? What do you do? Who are you? Um,
1: well, I'm uh, born to goodly parents. My last name comes from Lithuania because I know that's a question everyone always asks. I'm one of uh, seven people in the world now with that last name. So you've got How many? seven.
0: Sounds about right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's a common last name in Lithuania, but when my grandfather came over, the anglicizing of it was terrible. So I get to be unique that way. So Um, I'm married, got two beautiful daughters. The first one's Cambria, the other one's Athena. Um, One of them is very much like me, a little bundle of energy and uh, chaos. And the other one is very calm, like her mother, thankfully. So I got the whole spectrum in the home. It's awesome. I, when I was 18, I got into the world of entrepreneurship by accident. I, um, just stumbled into a, a network marketing thing. And then from there I realized, Hey, you know, there's more to life at the time. I was planning on just going to the military because I had nothing else better to do with my life. Apparently. Oh, and okay. so, uh, from there, I, uh, learned a ton, made a ton of mistakes, served a mission for a couple of years and then, uh, met my wife and she provided that, um, that order to my chaos in such a way that I was able to uh, get really into real estate instead of the crash and burn stuff I was doing beforehand.
0: It's funny we we, we talked about that order and chaos, or that uh, that that mover shaker and that stabilizer when we when we last recently were talking, and uh, I want to get into that a little bit later because I think that's super important um, when when you're approaching business or real estate investing with your partner, right? Um, so you know network marketing at what point did you say or or start looking into real estate how'd you get started in that
1: well i quickly realized that um most Mm. business stuff doesn't really appeal to me as much but i when i started looking into real estate i just love the freedom you have in real estate um your ability to be able to do everything from you know like fix and flips that everyone thinks real estate's about to just selling it as a broker or a wholesaler to airbnbs so mm-hmm. once i found the airbnb part all of a sudden everything just shifted in our lives we were originally probably doing the slow growth thing and then now with the airbnbs we're doing the more rapid expansion kind of model <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you started with buy and holds like uh mm-hmm. why did you switch uh to airbnb
1: um it was actually an accident like like everything good in this life yeah. Um, <laughs> I originally, my had a family member who had a condo, so I'm from Edmonton and, uh, back in the 2000 and like 15, 16, 17, the condo market rentals crashed. So they went from like 1800 bucks a month, rent down to as low as like 1200 kind of thing. Yeah. So this family member had a condo underwater and they were out of cash. So I was like, Hey, I heard of this Airbnb thing. Let's just throw it on there and you know, we could tidy over for a year or so. Um, after that, when she uh, agreed to it, we furnished it up. I think we put we went a little bit more higher end and put like I think like eight grand into it in furniture mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and it exploded. Like uh, we were pulling in like twenty five hundred bucks a month, so Seriously? it was yeah, it was it was crazy. But the best part, like the cash flow, was amazing. But the best part was just the meeting with people, talking with people, um, getting to know people, and so many we met so many awesome people. Some of them I'm still friends with to this day. And from there, I realized this is something I love because I love people and my wife loved it because there's another like hidden side to Airbnbs, which is all the back stuff like cleaning and stocking and stuff like that, that really fed her order needs as well. <laughs> so yeah. it was just an amazing serendipity. And from there we kept expanding.
0: Yeah. So, so you talked about like the cleaning and that kind of stuff. Like what, what are the, the main differences between buy and hold long-term buy and hold and short-term rentals
1: um they're pretty different uh in terms of what you're looking for buy and hold the idea is that you want to <clears throat> set it forget it and have to deal with your tenants once a year when you renew the contract that's the uh, that would be the dream scenario and of course that tenant would never damage the property or everything like that so you have to yeah. do anything else <laughs> yeah. yeah but with short-term rentals it's a very active thing it's not like crazy active i probably spend probably like four hours a week on stuff with the short-term rentals with all the properties that we have. Uh, my wife handles the cleaning side of things. So she spends a little bit more time than me. I think she'll probably average about 15 hours a week between coordinating with our housekeepers and going to Costco to get stock and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're creating an experience, but when you really boil down short-term rentals, all you're doing is just um, renting out furnished suites or houses for periods W- willing to do periods less than 30 days. And that's that at the right. end of the day. Everything else, like providing a coffee machine or bedding and stuff like that, those are all extras to attract people to you. So because it's like that, you're able to turn what would be an ugly duckling property in long-term rentals into a beautiful, amazing, um, high-demand area in short-term rentals, because no longer is it just about location, location, location.
0: Um, so why would someone choose a short-term rental over like uh, a hotel? Like, what's the why? Why would someone make that decision?
1: I think my best memory would be our very first guest. This is probably why I love it so much. Um, he walked into our our place. Now, I made some mistakes at the time, not understanding how discounts work. So he got the place for like dirt cheap. Oh <laughs> really? <right. laughs> there's definitely a learning curve to short-term rentals. But thankfully, when you make a mistake, it's only like a three days, and then the mistake is gone instead of like three years. So uh, he comes in uh, and he just looks around our place and we had just, we'd done our best to make it look beautiful, hired an interior designer. I know I hate interior designers for the most part, but I know there's some good ones out there that will one day change my mind. And he looks at me and he's just like, this is way better than a hotel. And at that moment, things clicked for me. And I was like, hey, there's lots of people out there are sick of hotels i work for the railroad so i'm in hotels all the time Mm -hmm. you go in you hope the cleaners clean the place and it's just that corporate environment and as well it's not a home it's a bed where you sleep so we get tons of families coming in from uh all over the world who they want a place to have their kids so their kids can play have fun watch tv while they're here for a month on a work trip Or we have, for example, one of the groups that we love is a lacrosse team from a city just directly south of Edmonton. I won't say which one. Uh, It's a girls lacrosse team. For them to go to a hotel, it would cost them an arm and a leg to get rooms for that many girls. But because we have such a big property, all of them come, they can stay, they can have that bonding activity, they can be crazy in the house in a way that you can't do in a hotel. I mean, hotels get pretty upset when girls are running down the hallways at two in the morning.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, And and the reason I asked that previous question was because, um, you know, for me, outsider looking into this, this, this model, how do I assure that, what kind of assurance do I have that when I order a rental, an Airbnb, that I'm going to be getting someone who's established like you? Because it sounds like just about anybody can download the app and put up their couch or their room or their or their rental property. So what kind of regulations or standards are put in place to ensure that someone doesn't walk in, you know, after a long flight and find out this place is a dump?
1: Yeah, that's a big fear. And likewise, on the host side, sometimes I'm afraid, hey, is this going to come Guy going to come in and trash my property? But Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so both hosts and guests have a little bit of protection with um, the sharing world that we are in. So after a guest has a stay, uh, I write a review for them. And likewise, they write a review for me. So if the guest is a, um, is worried about having a good host, you'll look for like a super host, which is a host that has really good reviews or a host that at least has a bunch of great reviews, like a history of being a great host.
0: Mm-hmm. And as
1: well, um, pictures are probably the biggest thing when it comes to choosing an Airbnb. So if they look at the pictures and they see your place as a dump, they probably won't stay there. But if they see it's a nice, well put together place or even just a place that looks like the person actually cares, then they they have more confidence coming into that. Okay. And as well, there's some times as well where there's some malicious groups, of course, on both sides of the fence. Uh, mm-hmm. But Airbnb is very quick to take care of the guests to make sure that they still have a wonderful experience, even if Airbnb has to pay a hotel to take them because there's nothing else available near.
0: Okay, so they still kind of step in occasionally, you know, for the, for both sides, um, if need be. Yeah, they're really good for that. And I'm I'm assuming that on your side, you, you probably have a different kind of insurance to cover something like this. Is that insurance through Airbnb or is it separate like rental insurance or?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a rider on my home insurance policy for the uh, properties that I own at least. Um, we have a few properties where we rent the property and we put it on the uh, the platform um, because some landlords are just sick of tenants. So we are able to come in and help out with that. And yeah. so we get the landlord to get a rider and then we just get tenant insurance. But Airbnb and VRBO both have a one million dollar host guarantee. So any damages or anything like that, they'll cover up to one million dollars, which is amazing and awesome. Um, it's great. it's starting to become like Apple Care now, where there's a lot of hoops to jump
0: through. <laughs> but
1: yeah, it's it's still there. It's still reliable. I've had to use it only twice in my entire in the last few years, and so it's been really good that way.
0: Uh, earlier, you were talking about you know creating an experience, and then you also mentioned like a full girls lacrosse team. Like, so what kind of properties uh, do do you have in your portfolio, what kind of experiences are you creating? Like, how did you fit a full lacrosse? team into one property well um
1: so our biggest property it's the biggest in the greater edmonton area it's an eight bedroom house okay yeah you never know it looking at for the front it's a it's a big house it was originally designed to be a group home but then bylaw regulations changed um and it's absolutely gorgeous um a family member of mine is the one who owns it so we work together on it and uh when I first was going the place, I'm like, man, I could totally go the Ikea route because, you know, it's a big property. So I could totally do the Ikea route, get the cheapest furniture in there, get just heads and beds, and that's it. But really quick, we're just like, you know, we really don't want to do that. We want this to be a place where people want to come. So we ended up going and making a beautiful, rustic home. Um, we... Chose a farm farmier yeah. farmhouse style kind of house, and uh, put different furniture, put things like that, and tried to showcase a little bit of Alberta while we were at it. So mm-hmm. that way, people can have that wonderful um, you know feeling of the decor and stuff like that, because that's a lot of what people when they walk into a place. Every like they always talk about how like a place has energy or a place has a character. When they walk into a place and they see a character like that, it evokes a certain feeling feeling of peace, a feeling of relaxation, a feeling of being in the home, or a feeling of like exploring or something exotic. So that feeling that they have when they're there stays during the entire time that they are there and becomes part of their experience going elsewhere throughout the city and things like that. Hmm. Um, and then as well for us, like a bedroom house, we're competing with like mansions. <laughs> so right. one thing that we did is we turned our house into a smart home just to stand out. Okay. So nice. every switch is a smart home. I learned so much about smart homes. It was a smart <laughs> thing. And so when, by doing that, we ended up having um, a lot of people um, just come to just see what a smart home is like. And it's been, uh, we, we probably haven't been the best ambassador for that because I'm not as tech savvy as I pretend to be. But yeah. we still have, I uh, create that experience for people.
0: This is, so that eight bedroom home, do you mind if I ask how much that rents out per night? Or like for a weekend, how is that charged?
1: <laughs> so it's, it's tough to say when people ask how much per night, it's like across the board. So we've had nights in the summertime where right. we're rented out for literally 800 bucks a night. Wow. And then we've had times in the wintertime. For example, we have a long-term guest right now. He's there for two months. He's only paying about 100 and I think 170 bucks a night it works out too. So there's a big spectrum of it. So you have busy times and you have slow
0: times. So then it's, it's a life ride. For that long. Yep. Sorry, I'm just trying to think. Who's renting an eight-bedroom house for two months? <laughs>
1: they're actually, uh, they're they're working at one of the refineries nearby, there's actually oh. five of them. So they they were really awesome guests in the summer, and they asked if they could extend, and so we're like, yeah, sure, we'd love to have you guys.
0: Right, because a lot a lot of the your clientele also could be people coming in for work, obviously in Edmonton, the different refineries, the turnaround seasons, that kind of stuff too, right? Yeah, we got a ton of those people uh, refineries.
1: Actually, the, the funniest one we had was a, um, you know, those door door knocking alarm sales guys. Yeah. Yeah. So we had their group stay with us for a while. So there was, uh, I think there was 18 of them shoved into the house because they, yeah. they want to save as much
0: money as possible. So they all um, come here and then they, they just go through the neighborhoods and then, oh, that's, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. We ended up meeting them. It was, it's during, it was during COVID. So we were trying to be as hands off as we could, but um, something short circuited in in the uh, smart home. So I had to go turn it off, turn it back on again. And um, when I got there, the guy totally nerded out and asked it because he knew more about smart homes than I did. So he was asking a million questions. And I was like, ah, I just know how to make it work. I don't know any models.
0: (laughs) You would just assume that like a, a house like that would be so difficult because you're, you're, your target uh, tenants or your targets clients for Airbnb would be like, it's, there would be such a small pool of people, but it just seems like it works for just about everything.
1: Yeah, I, mean. um, I think a big thing that people don't realize is, especially with Airbnb, the weirder you are, the more different you are, the more unique you are, the better you do. Literally, mm-hmm. it's it's literally riches in the niches personified. So I think, for example, like when I first was deciding I wanted to expand the business, I went and looked at my competition, of course. Who else is in the city? And lo and behold, downtown Edmonton's the worst for it. Everybody is a modern, luxury, executive suite. Like, mm-hmm. every single one. Like, everyone thinks that that's what everyone wants, which is true. But you kind of fall behind into, like, the you know the background. But when you look abroad to other cities, for example, Japan's really notorious for this. Somebody mm-hmm. did a... Um, a Mario-themed house, so it was little Mario's everywhere, little Mario stuff everywhere, and it was one of the highest-performing properties because it's new and different. And if I'm a tourist or a work guy coming to Tokyo, and I'm looking through the Airbnb listings and I see a Mario house or a Zelda house, of course I'm going to go stay there. Honey, oh, let's right. go there.
0: <laughs> <Yeah. Exactly. laughs> you have not bring three hundred dollars a night.
1: Yeah. Are you, are you trying to put a price on Mario? Is that what we're trying to do, honey? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's one hundred percent what I would do. I mean, like, if you had the choice, you're, you're. I mean, you're probably on vacation. You're, like, you're, like, you're probably spending thousands of dollars anyways. What's an extra couple hundred bucks for an experience that we're trying to create, right? Exactly. And more, you are off the of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, that's what we try to do. Our our next theme that we're trying to do. Don't tell anybody, but. We're going to do a <laughs> crystal and gemstone theme. Crystal and gemstone. Yeah. So like crystal, like art on the walls and it's going to be made of resin, half of it, but
0: that's what <laughs> we're going for next. That is. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. So like, do you still have buying holds or are you just strictly uh, short-term rentals?
1: Uh, we still have a couple buying holds. Um, one of my mistakes when I was first starting in real estate is I bought a house in uh, because they were cheap. <laughs> Yeah, The problem is with Tesquan's an hour away, (laughs) Mm maybe not my target market. So we have some buy and holds. I have another one in the city I still have, but we're shifting them all towards Airbnbs for the most
0: part. Mm. A lot of people make that rookie mistake where they're like, oh, I only have this much money. I have to buy a house. Uh, So if I have $30,000, I have to put 20% down. That means, uh, oh, shoot, I can only buy it for this month, as opposed to trying to find another solution or maybe partnering with someone uh yeah big rookie mistake a lot of people end up in alberta ave very early which in edmonton is a a lesser than desirable neighborhood Um, and and then they they spend the rest of their real estate investing careers trying to get that house to sell off that house and get out of that area but um yeah we all make rookie mistakes but uh you know so, so you still have that house and you're just just waiting for the right time or
1: Yep. Well, we bought it, of course, in uh, 2015 when things were still Mm hot-ish. So now it's like the property values dropped like 20 grand. So uh, in Edmonton, that wouldn't be very much, but when the houses there are selling for like 150, 100, it's a big deal. (laughs) So we're just hanging on to it for now because honestly, like, even if we don't have a tenant there, our expenses are like 400
0: bucks a month. So it's not a big deal. Mm. And not a huge Airbnb market in Watasquin, I'm assuming.
1: Uh there there isn't any. There's there's like two other Airbnbs. So I think if I got one in there, I might be like the big fish in the small pond. But then right. it's an hour away. So as much as I love Witasquin, it's a it's a nice little city, a nice little yeah. farming city. I, I don't really want to risk having to drive an hour away
0: to deal with something. absolutely Absolutely. And then you'd have to build a whole new team in Wetaski too, right? If you would need a cleaner's and a manager and everything else. So it just, yeah, that makes yeah. sense.
1: It's different here in the city because I can service like Fort Saskatchewan or Stony Plain mm-hmm. or the Duke cause they're all relatively close. But when you have somebody spending two hours driving back and forth, you need a new team. So for mm-hmm. us, a new, if we're going to do the time to put in a new team, we're going to be going to like Calgary or to Canmore or somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Much better markets. Um, so, so you're, you know, you play a large role or daily role in your, your short-term rentals as is your wife as well. How many hours a week are you spending on average, um, you know, doing your real estate business or your, that's more importantly, your, your short-term rental side of it.
1: Um, for like the Airbnbs, it's probably like four to five hours a week. Um, during this, during the uh, the pandemic, I spent probably 30 to 50 hours a week because I was renovating my own um, buy and hold since Airbnbs. So oh, in that okay. regard, I was super busy that way. Uh, you know, I want it. This is one issue that I have sometimes is I want everything to be a high standard, amazing, and perfect for these people. Mm-hmm. So my wife sometimes would have conflicts with me about stuff, saying, oh, we can cut this corner, we can cut that corner. But when I first bought, for example, one house that we just did, um, it's in the Bonnie Dune area. It's a cute little. It was actually our first house, 750 square foot, two bedrooms up, one bedroom down, little suite house. I cut corners when I first did that place because it was my first. It was my first deal, so mm-hmm. of course you think, hey, I, I just won't put flooring in this room, or I'll, you know, I'll put the soundproofing in between the two suites in the living room, but I'll skip the bedroom because I don't want to take the ceiling down. Right. Well, now that I'm doing rentals again, all those corners I cut came back to bite me. So, I, I really realized, especially during that, with the value of just doing it right the first time. So, soundproofing,
0: was... you neglected to soundproof between the bedrooms?
1: <laughs> it was my first house.
0: I mean, <laughs> that's going to be your largest complaint.
1: <laughs> I know, I struggle. So, yeah, we had to put the soundproofing in, and that was a big deal. <laughs> Which could have been completely prevented had I done it right the first time, instead of trying to save
0: like, I think it was like three hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what what kind of difference in, in in total revenue are you seeing per month? You know, because obviously rent is fixed, but uh, there's a the short term rental revenue can kind of vary depending on demand, season, that kind of thing. So, uh, mm-hmm. is is it significantly more? Is it the same?
1: Um. So just using that one house as an example, because I think it's a good one for everything from condos to small houses. Um, The one bedroom suite would probably pull in 900 to 1,000 all included, it's small. The two bedroom upstairs would probably pull in like $1,100 all included. So you're looking at probably about $2,000 in total revenue for the property. Mm -hmm. Uh, Putting on short-term rentals, for example, last month, the one bedroom pulled in 2,500 bucks itself the two-bedroom actually didn't do as well just because they had a few more vacant days, just mm-hmm. the way things worked out, and it pulled in uh, twenty-three hundred. So I'm pulling in impressive. like over five hundred. Cool.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously you got you got more expenses that you have to, um, depending on the stays, cleaners, that kind of stuff. Actually, that's a great question. Um, you know, how much of the expenses difference? Like, you know, you brought in five thousand. I think he said five something, and then but you also have to cover you know, cleaning and consumables and stuff like that. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, there's in Airbnb. You can charge what's called a cleaning fee. Okay. So at the end of uh, anyone's stay, there's a cleaning fee put on. And from there, it's just a matter of me trying to keep my expenses below my cleaning fee, which I'm failing at right now due to um, certain staffing issues. But, even if you went out and contracted out, you can usually keep it underneath your cleaning fee, or you can just raise your cleaning fee to cover those costs. So that ends up becoming uh, an expense that covers itself in a way. Yeah. So, but in terms of total expenses, mm-hmm. I'd probably say without having somebody in the property or sorry, having it long-term rentals, it would be my expenses would probably be around two grand with taxes and wear down and stuff like that. With mm-hmm. Airbnbs, it's probably like twenty five to twenty seven hundred, so it definitely justifies the uh, the big increase.
0: But from you know, I don't have the math all in front of me or the numbers, but it sounds like it's about fifty percent better than it would, fifty percent more revenue than than a rental. After all said and done, is that about correct?
1: Uh, yeah, I'd say probably fifty to one hundred and fifty percent. Um, yeah. For example, the eight-bedroom house, if it was on the market, it would probably pull in, I'd probably say like twenty-five hundred bucks a month rent. Um, having it on Airbnb, if it wasn't for COVID, our best month would have been twelve grand.
0: Wow, yeah. wow. And the amount of work, and you're a little more hands-on. You know, uh, the amount of work is only four or five hours a week. That's actually quite reasonable, and that's for for all the properties that you have, not each of them, right? So that's I mean, awesome. And it's even it's not even that like reliably. Like
1: last week I had I probably spent twenty minutes total. I was just adjusting prices. I didn't get any messages because everything was full. Um this week I spent more time because we had a couple back to back bookings. So I probably spent like three hours.
0: Uh, I'd go back to that cleaning fee you were talking about, because that that uh, I had to write that note down because um I just booked an Airbnb recently. <laughs> And like, obviously when you're booking dates, you see what the cost per night is, you do the math in your head, then you go to checkout or whatever, and it's like, what the heck are they charging me for cleaning fees per night? So is is there a rule on that? Do some people do it, some people don't, or they just, can, can, is it just as easy just to slide that in there at the end?
1: Um, i probably say 90% of hosts charge a cleaning fee. Um, yeah. There is a strategy in terms of pricing. So this is getting to like deeper stuff. Where right. you could avoid a cleaning fee but charge a higher nightly rate and then advertise you don't have a cleaning fee because for some reason people think if it's you know incorporated into your um your nightly rate then it's uh then it's cool
0: <laughs> but same, same stuff that, they have got to do on amazon where it's like free shipping right. but they jack up the price slightly you're like Ooh, exactly okay.
1: <laughs> yeah and there's like thoughts about the strategy because technically you don't show as well because most time people click on the lower price and then right. click on the higher price so there's a bunch of things that go into that, but that's one strategy they do. Um, another thing as well is like the Alberta government is le- putting a levy on stuff. Um, Airbnbs actually are required to charge GST, unfortunately. Um, so there's a bunch of other hidden taxes that the government puts on that we need to charge as well. And then, of course, Airbnb has its own cut that it puts on that it charges the guest as well.
0: mm So all these little cool tricks and stuff, did you just kind of develop them over time or did you take different training courses? Is there, is there like an Airbnb, like community in Edmonton? Like where did you learn all this?
1: Uh, There's a wonderful Airbnb community in Edmonton, uh, the Edmonton short-term rental association. I'm a member of the president. She's amazing. I absolutely love her. Her name's Shanna. Um, With the uh, currently in Edmonton bylaws are being decided. And right now we're really lucky that, uh, We have such a strong presence in Edmonton because we're able to share with the the city what we think would work and what wouldn't work. Um, In terms of learning though, I think amateur Short-Term Rental Association is a fantastic place to learn, get local information. You'll find me there, they'll find tons of people there who just want to help new hosts. We love new hosts. Mm. Um, In terms of online, uh, one thing I tell everybody is don't buy a course. Ty Lopez, for example, was putting out courses that were just garbage. There's a YouTube channel called Airbnb Automated. You will learn more from that guy for free on
0: YouTube than you will learn in anybody's course. That's awesome, because a lot of times it's the you know, a lot of people say the opposite, um, you know, because YouTube is always almost some sort of a funnel into some masterclass into some big, large coaching program. But it's good to hear that there's actually someone out there who's getting out good, valuable information for for free.
1: Yeah, he's amazing. And he it's kind of his, a little bit of his pitch was he didn't have a course for a few years until we peer pressured him into it. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's also, you know, little niches as well where there's great courses as well. Um, so like if you want to do Airbnb uh, management where you manage other people's properties, there's a couple of guys I would recommend whose courses are actually worth it because they give their full business model on there. Whereas Airbnb automated just focuses on uh, what's called rental arbitrage. Mm-hmm. You rent and then put on Airbnb. So there's there's a couple of places where I would recommend a course. But for anybody who's doing their first one, you don't need a course. Don't buy a course. Don't waste your money. Yep.
0: Yes. That's fantastic to hear. That's that's really great to hear. And then, and thank you for being honest about that and transparent. Um, so so the theme of the podcast is uh, and obviously the most difficult part about being a real estate investor is the balance, right? Is the balance of being trained is it conductor.
1: Do you call yourself conductors? I'm a conductor when things yeah. are slow, but I'm an engineer when things are good. They're two different positions. But they okay. I don't like know. Together. Yeah. It's the a secret well, world. You, you drive trains. Yeah. Yeah. I'm up there with like astronauts and firemen in the eyes of five year olds. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, you're also an investor. You got buy home. You got short term rentals. You got two kids. You've got what? so many things going on. How do you, are, are you doing? Okay. Like, are, are you balancing it? What you, are you managing it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, you know,
1: it's a lot. I am even just being a locomotive engineer takes up 60 to 80 hours of my week doing that day job. Like this summer, I was probably putting in another 30 hours at my properties and then um, trying to be a dad on top of that. It, it ends up being a lot of time. But at the same time, though, somebody. There's a guy, his name is uh, Neil M. Maxwell, wonderful guy. Um, somebody asked him in, when he was in his 90s how, with him having less and less capacity uh, as he's getting older, how does he manage all those big important things? And mm-hmm. he told him that uh, as I get older, I only start to have time for the things that matter most. So,
0: it's very wise.
1: Mm-hmm. So, for me, like, I don't watch TV. Um, I think I'm still back on season three of Dark Matter on Netflix. So I'm really, for those of you who watch a lot of TV, I'm really far behind. A little bit. I don't watch TV. I don't really play video games. Um, I don't. As, I don't really go out a ton. I have. I still hang out. I have my circle of friends that I hang out with probably once a week. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I just take the time first to, uh, to make sure my priorities are straight. I mean it's not really a time management thing it's a priorities thing because you always know, yeah. have time for what you put your highest priorities on so we block out one day a week um in our case sundays and there's no work that happens on sundays except for any absolutely necessary thing. i don't mm-hmm. do renos i don't go in the back and make little like steampunk lanterns for our next uh, airbnb i don't do anything like that it's just me and the kids and my wife does the same thing with her schedule because she's also super busy Right. And then as well, we take one night a week, uh, weekday night a week, and we have like a little family home evening where we get together. It's just us, the family, and that evening I spend time with the kids. So that way they know I have time for them. And then throughout the week, you know, I'll go up to my daughter and I'll be like, hey, you want to go on a daddy daughter date? We're going to go to Home Depot. Yeah. And she loves it. <laughs> she doesn't know any different that it's not, that this is really an errand because she gets to spend time with me. I'd like, I'll sit there and I'll tell her, hey, this is MDF and this is plywood. And, and she'll think it's awesome. And we're having that experience together. So there's so many ways you can integrate family life into work life if you make it a priority.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's, there's two key things that I noticed there. And that's something that I've noticed in my own life as well, is that I think you don't have to be there every single day. You know, you don't have to be like the dad who comes home from work and, and spends five hours with the kid, but then they're, they're not really there. I think... The only thing that you really need is just a little bit of consistency where they know that you're going to be home for dinner, right? Or they know that they, they have that 10 minutes with you every day that they do every day. And then occasionally just a little bit of spontaneity, like you said, Hey, we're going to home Depot. We want daddy daughter. You know what I mean? To go take them for a random ice yeah. cream. Cause those are the things they're, that they're going to remember, right? They're going to remember that there was always that little bit of consistency. And then that, the, you know, that, that random time you took her out to home Depot and got an ice cream afterwards or something like that. Right. Yeah.
1: Even when I'm doing reno's, like a lot of people say, like they go do reno's and they leave their kids at home or with the babysitter. I take her with me, for, like as long as I'm not doing anything crazy or dangerous. Right. Like, I'll take her with me. She, uh, she knows what's the difference between a tool and a toy. And she knows if she asks and I think the tool is safe, she can play with it. So she'll take like, like the level and just, you know, go <laughs> try to copy me. And yeah. just make, like I think we've, we've lost the art of having kids be part of our work lives. You mean? You mean when you, if, when my grandfather was on the farm with my dad, my dad was part of my grandfather's work life. They had a lot of time together and we've kind of lost that a little bit. We don't really integrate our kids. And, and you're right as well about having those um, consistency. Uh, whenever I go to work, I always tell my daughter that I'll be back in three sleeps and, or, or however many sleeps it's going to be.
0: Yeah. Typically,
1: it's three, including naps. I count naps as sleeps. And she knows that and if i'm ever leaving she'll come up to me she'll be just like just three sleeps daddy and i'll just be like yeah sweetie i'll be back mm-hmm. and, and so she knows i'm coming back she knows when i'm coming back approximately and she's excited to see me
0: that's amazing that's amazing uh yeah it it, it really doesn't take too too much a lot of people struggle with this they struggle with um and whether they say it or they don't say it, uh, I, I find a lot of people don't say it and then down the road, 10, 20 years later, they look back and be like, oh, I wish I would have spent more time with my kid. But um just a couple few little simple things like that. Like I'm kind of the same way. Like I, I wake up a little early every morning and I, I drink my coffee next to my kid. And she just knows that every morning she gets up with me and we spend 10 minutes together. Then I go off and do whatever. But we have that, that little moment, mm-hmm. you know, and dad's always there to put her to bed. Yeah uh it, it's it's simple stuff people <laughs> uh, it's simple know, stuff that can be really hard sometimes for sure, and especially with like your schedule of being i you talked about your work schedule with me you know off air it's it's a little more inconsistent you you get calls randomly yeah. right two hour two hours notice oh, God. then I'm leaving for
1: like thirty two hours so <laughs> whenever people complain about not having time I'm always just like. Schedule. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, and and I I'm I I'm very empathetic to you know to people and, and I get it life is hard and it's hard to do balance but uh, I'm the same way don't don't give me your crap because <laughs> for for every excuse that you have I know someone else that's 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 persevered through something and done amazing things with those same excuses right and that's yeah. why I have people like you on. Because, yeah, if anyone ever complains about work hours or their schedule and stuff like that, I'm pointing your way. I'm like, this guy's doing half amazing. <laughs> you know, what's your excuse?
1: And you know what? Like, I don't even know when I'm going to work tomorrow. Like, literally, mm-hmm. it could be at 3 in the morning or 3 in the afternoon. So it makes scheduling appointments. Even like this call. Like, right. when we were talking, it was just like, hey, we're going to just have to roll the dice and see if it works out. And I, I can't even tell you what I'm doing this weekend for my work. So... Mm. It's tough. It's And I, I can t- honestly tell you that I understand the struggle. I know what it's like. And whenever people come to me and they're just like, they're, they're trying to like relate. I mean, like, I totally understand it. Life is tough when you work four hours a week I, I, on a set schedule because it's literally like a grind by like day four. I absolutely hate that in a lot of regards. Right. But I tell them you'll understand what it's really like to grind when it gets to the point where sleeping and eating actually becomes a really annoying inconvenience that you absolutely hate. <laughs> when you get to the point where you're like, I really hate sleeping, sleeping is the worst thing in the world. And you're, you realize you're starting to wreck your body because you're not doing it. That's when you can kind of really understand what it's like to actually grind.
0: Right. So we haven't talked about your other half because I'm assuming this isn't none of this is possible without your wife, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. God, I'm forgetting your. I know your wife's name, but I'm not going to say it and mess it up. It's Sarah. Yeah, it's Sarah. Oh, Sarah. <laughs> you got it. <me. laughs> but I'm on the spot. I can't. I can't pull it up. Like I'm like, oh, do not see the wrong name. I'm. I'm hundred percent sure it's Sarah. But you don't want to mess yeah. that up. Um, Sarah obviously plays a, a monstrous role in this. You are not that great. No. No. I'm please. average. Yeah. She's amazing. I'm average. <laughs> so. <laughs>
1: um as probably a lot of you can see on the, the show i'm definitely a high energy adhd motivated go getter guy and it's absolutely awesome and amazing and i love it but i needed somebody i realized early on when i dated a girl who also had adhd that it would just be a trail of chaos yeah. if i uh, married someone else like me <laughs> so yeah. i found a woman who was amazing and wonderful but she was also the opposite of me. and that's really what sarah does I hate doing taxes. Sarah's okay with doing taxes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I dread my feet with filing like legal documents. Sarah's all over that and she's organized. And the biggest thing though, is when I get excited about something, I want to do it right now. Like I'm like just that the, the dog sled team that's just a And Sarah's the one grabbing me the rates and saying, Hey, no, no, no. How would you start by explaining this to me before you go below two grand on something? <laughs> yeah. And she really comes becomes that great filter for the ideas that I have that are awesome, the ideas that I have that are just sound awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I rely on her so much. I wouldn't be able to do half the... I wouldn't even be able to have kids functionally, because I probably mm. get bored of cooking so fast. Even though I do all the cooking now. But <laughs> I, I need her for everything, honestly.
0: Yeah, it's... I, I don't think it's possible to scale a business like we do without without a wife or a partner. I I, I really don't think it's possible. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. because um, you're right. It would be a giant mess behind me. And that's not to say that um my wife Gabby, she cleans up my my shit. What I'm saying <laughs> is just like you said, you you move, you go and and she's right behind you. she's like, whoa, 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 let's just organize. It. <laughs> I think any good relationship, any good business, you you need that balance there. And there's mm-hmm. not one person or one character uh, is, is better than the other because they're, they're, they're both equal because mm-hmm. one couldn't have what they have together without the other. Right. Uh, I almost, we call it like a mover and a shaker and then like the stabilizer <laughs> and like a stabilizer would never go out and do the things that you and I do. But at the same time, if we went out and did the things that you and I do, we would never be successful without a stabilizer. So I think it's, it's peanut butter and jelly.
1: 100%. Yeah. There's some fantastic people out there I know who have, uh, you know, they don't have a spouse or someone who's like romantically close to them, but they still have these amazing businesses. But when you look at them, they always have that assistant or that someone else who's behind them doing that things that they can't do right i think that's Did you so just call important.
0: your wife your assistant
1: uh,
0: hopefully she won't watch this far into the podcast <laughs> it at the 42 minute mark
1: <laughs> yeah you go bring the kids and I make them cry at that time
0: <laughs> <laughs> i got you know before, before we end this like honestly like uh, you you sent me a bio and, and you sent it to me this morning and I always ask if people kind of send me a bio because it's it's probably the hardest thing for me to write and like I cannot believe the garbage <laughs> that you sent. me. <laughs> I, I'm so stressed out with this morning trying to get my stuff together and then I go and I find this I'm like no one might be reading it. Um, like <laughs> Carlos uh is a man of simple tastes like caviar Persian rugs and the soft sound of the plat- <laughs> platinum coins clinking together. In 2009 at a tender innocent time he received an awakening to the world of entrepreneurship and personal growth it goes on like this uh for four paragraphs and i'm like dude like what am i going to do with this i literally had pulled like a small portion of this out and i'm like i wanted to post that but i'm like <laughs> people are going to think that i wrote that um <laughs> So you clearly, you clearly through all this madness, you still maintain a a pretty reasonable sense of humor. (laughs) And I like that about you. I like that. um, You know, you're, you're very, we're, we're cut from the same cloth. You're very well driven. You're a great family guy. You got a great sense of humor. And um, yeah, I I, I like being around you. I like having people like you in my circle. It's, it's good. You motivate me. Um, So I want to thank you very much for being on the podcast. And uh, before I wrap it all up, um, if anyone's interested in reaching out to you, whether it be about um, about Airbnb or about investing, you know, uh, possible investment opportunities with you, like how do they reach out to you?
1: Um, easiest way to send me an email uh, yeah. or give me a call, text or the worst way, but um, my email address. I think you'll probably link it in the the notes. Uh, I can do Carlos, that now. Yeah, uh, yeah, Carlos at estate, uh, dot com and yeah. if you and feel free to just give me a call as well we'll put uh, that in there too and you um, want I'm me to put your chat. phone number on the yeah. internet uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure why not <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll, get, I'll i'll give you the Pick corporate email and then people can request your your uh, your phone number from the uh, from that's your email I mean. message yeah yeah, yeah for that's sure uh, <laughs> this is why you do
1: the podcast, and not me <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right man thank you very much again no problem you're stuck oh